We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Look, setting the pace with Alex and Fauci. Alex and Fauci, Alex and Alex. If I put our jacks in the paint, how you gonna stop me? How you gonna stop me? We can go head to head. Call out your top three. Call out your top three. Look at the switch from Buddy here. Now that boy got three. We got Holly Burton running point. This is a Benedict for the shot. If anybody gon' come in the post, then we got Miles Turner for the plot. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Smooth. What is going on, Pacer Nation? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden. Joining me today is the one and only Michael, the chip master, Fachi. Fachi, what's going on, brother? That I am. I mean, I got a lot of mixed reviews. Some people probably thought I was addicted to chips and dip. Uh, Maybe I am. Just chips in general. I mean, even chocolate chips, Fachi. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. But I, I did even have some people from work that were like, hey, saw what you're doing. I'm with you, big Buffalo chicken fan. So you yeah. know, for, for dip, Buffalo chicken in general, whatever it is, it goes great on a chip too. So Alex, I'm back and I'm here to talk some Pacer basketball. But with <laughs> this, I mean, we're coming off of where are we going right now? If you're if you're an Indiana Pacer fan, because, you know, you got some people that want to win. You got some people looking at the draft. This team is all over the place, and actually, in the midst of things, we swept the Toronto Raptors this year. I thought yeah. that was crazy. That that's like one of the most outlandish statements I thought I'd ever hear, Foch. I never thought in my entire Pacers fandom that I would hear with this version of the Nick Nurse Raptors that we would be able to sweep them. They've always had our number. They're too long. Mm-hmm. They're too athletic. But I tell you what. I hate watching that Raptors team play. I did not find their style of basketball fun whatsoever. It felt like a lot of just like 
pound the ball, uh, pound the air out of the ball. It was Fred VanVleet taking really bad three-point shots or Pascal Siakam doing what he's doing. A lot of times, OG and Anobi, I felt like, what is what is he doing out here? Like, it, it didn't feel Agreed. like he was involved correctly. And then sometimes he would, like, pick his dribble up too early. I'm like, okay, this is a, a Toronto team that I'm trying to figure out. I thought Yaka Pirtle really had his way for a little bit there, especially towards the end of the second and the third. He can't hit free throws. We all know that. No, Haka Pirtle, I saw big, that in person. Big free throws at the end of the game that, but, you know, really could have made a two-point game. But so did Pascal Siakam. So, mm-hmm. you know, I was shocked by that. But I will say this. Will Barton was just absolute trash last night. Yeah. I could not understand why he was out there on the floor. They took him out and put Malachi Flynn in, and they started playing a lot better. And I thought, well, that should have been happening earlier because I kept thinking, why is Will Barton out here? He's doing nothing. And then, like, he was airballing shots all over the place. I said, that is just a pathetic performance from a guy that's supposed to be a veteran on this team. Like, not trying to be rude or anything like that, but like Will Barton to me is way past his prime. And I oh, yeah. don't think he makes a lot of sense for this Raptors team. And I feel like that's signing. I mean, let's just put it this way. If you can't get minutes on the Washington Wizards, Fachi, and they cut you and they wave you, you're probably just not that valuable anymore. I completely agree. I don't know where you really go from getting cut from the Wizards. But uh, <laughs> watching OG last night, I mean, I, I, I know it's just one game, and he is having a really good month, but I was like, man, I think it's a blessing the Pacers didn't just trade, you know, three first-round picks and potentially more for him this year when obviously the asking price should be lower. So in a game of 2 of 13 shooting, I mean, it was it was definitely tough. He did do some good things, but um, I, I feel like this is a game that the Pacers pounced on the Raptors early. In specific, Andrew Nemhard got off mm. to a hot start last night and really never looked back. So he had, uh, he had, I want to say it was like I think 14 first quarter points. But one of the unique things in this game was that the Pacers started three Canadian born players. And that's the first time in NBA history that's ever been done. And, or three Canadians, at least it was. I, I believe Canadian born, but three Canadians uh, yeah, Canadian in the starting born. lineup. So first time in NBA history. I thought it was a nice touch from Carlisle to give O'Shea the start. Because it was meaningful. So, and O'Shea yeah. gets out there, scores a couple early baskets. And I just think that uh, for Andrew Nemhard, one fun fact that we saw, he finishes with 25 and 10, leads all rookies this year in 25 point, 10 assist games. I don't think anybody could have predicted that, you know, right after the draft. No, I don't. I, I think you're right on there, Fachi, especially the assist number because playing next to Tyrese. I mean, nobody even thought he'd see the court that much this year yeah. coming into the season, and then let alone playing next to Tyrese as much as he does. He's not touching the ball as much. So it's just been the Tyrese injuries has kind of opened up, or the Tyrese injury has kind of opened up a window here for Nimhard to get some extended playing time. But yeah, I, when I saw the O'Shea Brissett thing starting and I saw that, you know, they were starting three Canadians <laughs> in Canada for the first time ever, I'm not going to lie, the thought crossed my mind. This is a good feel-good story, but is Rick trying to mess with the chemistry a little bit here to maybe, you know, yeah, it's about, but it's at a disadvantage because at that point, like Aaron Neesmith has been starting since he's been healthy for however many games in a row now. Yeah, it's it, it's cool that he was accepting of whatever role they gave him. He still ended up playing more than O'Shea, but. I don't know. I'm not saying they're trying to tank. I'm just saying it didn't make a lot of sense to me why they would do that. I mean, what's no. the point of doing this 
other than just to say it's a cool moment, have a story about it. It, it didn't really matter about the wins or the losses to me, but by them doing this. Yeah, it definitely felt like the, the significance was, all right, well, hey, it's in Canada. But if it was just, if it wasn't, then I would have been like, hmm, interesting move over here for a guy like O'Shea who's been very much in and out of the lineup for, for large chunks of the season, out of the lineup. But, you know, cool cool to see him get a start, finishes with nine points, six boards, four of eight shooting. Um, You know, just it's, it's good. I, I like seeing O'Shea, but... It made me think, all right, you know what? The Raptors might take this one. And that was obviously not the case. And Alex, I mean, there's other things we could touch on in this game, but the big significance was kind of the damage done by winning this game if you're pro-draft because the Portland Trailblazers won. The Washington Wizards lost. The Chicago Bulls lost. And Toronto is one of the teams just above the Pacers in the play-in standings. So what this did was, in terms of the draft standings, shifted the Pacers down from the sixth-worst record down to the eighth. And then, for play-in purposes, now the Pacers are one-and-a-half games out of tenth. And then just uh, two games behind um, Toronto Toronto. for for the ninth spot with nine games to go. So we are as close as it gets to either pushing forward or taking a step back. It's hard to get a sense of the direction of this team at this point. And I know for sure the Pacers have the tiebreaker over Toronto and Chicago if they get into a tiebreaker yep. situation. And I want to say currently they have the tiebreaker over Washington. So I think they do too. Yeah, that's why they when they were having the same record that Washington had the better pick than us. So, you know, all these mediocre teams that are fighting for a playing spot, the Pacers have pretty much had their way with this year, which, hey – Good good for them for beating these mediocre teams, but at the same time, it might come back to bite you in the butt I know. if you don't lose some of these games. Like I, I said it the other day, you know, winning in, winning in Milwaukee, that was an awesome win because they hadn't won there in so yes, long agreed. and all that kind of stuff. Then they kind of made up for that by losing to Charlotte, right, a team that they should have should have beaten on paper. So, like, they balanced each other out. Well, Toronto, they hadn't won there since 2013. So, <laughs> you know – it's like, okay, like uh, I, I wasn't actually like super disappointed with the loss. I understand what you're saying because it is a big deal based on where we're at. We still have nine games left, and I was listening to the radio this morning, and they were kind of going through the games and saying which ones that the Pacers could win. And I believe Kevin Bowen had them at like six and three over the next nine games. And I'm like, I just I don't I don't know if Whoa. I see that much. That's that's pretty interesting. I mean, I uh I definitely understand them probably being favorited to beat Detroit. I can see why you might say them over the thunder at home. Maybe. But, like, he was like, oh, I think they'll beat the Hawks. I'm like, you know, that's the second night of a back-to-back on, like, a 22-hour turnaround. Like, I don't see that. The Mavericks, in my opinion, they're going to be trying to win games because, for goodness sake, they're protesting the game they lost last night. Uh, Milwaukee, they're going to want some revenge. And then he had us beating the Knicks twice the last two of the three last games, I'm like, it's a little aggressive. Just, just a little bit aggressive for me too. And I think that that's going to be a tough matchup. Yeah. There could be teams resting, but I don't think Tibbs is a guy that's really going to rest his players before the playoffs. Definitely not. I know that they said something like um, they interviewed Tibbs a little while ago about giving Julius Randall a rest. And he was like, why does he need a rest? And it was like, <laughs> that, that, that says a lot right over there because it was like, he was like, puzzled that he was even asked that question oh, I love and it. uh 
So I don't think they're going to be resting anyone. I mean, Julius Randle's played in 74 games this year. So if they're asking why does he need a rest, yeah, um, clearly they're on two different pages. So I just think when you're talking about Boston, Atlanta, and Dallas in the next three games, uh, and then, you know, you, you turn around and play Milwaukee, it's – you know, it's at one point you're going to be playing three games in four nights. So to be thinking that we're going to go six and three over the remaining nine games is very questionable. But at the same point, Alex, the Pacers are seven and six following the trade deadline. And a couple of those losses have been super, super close without Tyrese Halliburton or mm-hmm. without a Miles Turner. And it, it just feels like, you know, you're talking about, um, what was it, a, a, a two point, a Let's see. I got it right here. A four-point overtime loss to the Boston Celtics. Yeah. And you're talking about a four-point loss to the 76ers. Uh, obviously, the, the meltdown against Charlotte. The Pacers could have been one of the better teams in the you know following the trade deadline. And it's very surprising because people started thinking like, well, yeah, this is probably a tank move. We're resting guys against Detroit and all that. But they're going for the wins. And, and we, we can't say that they aren't. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like you can say they were trying to throw one of those games in Detroit for sure. Yes, I mean that one you can. And I and I wouldn't be surprised if we continue to see players shut down. I don't necessarily know who. Uh, I think Jeremiah Johnson was reporting about Buddy Heald and Rick Carlisle was like, "Why you take a game off?" And he was like, "No, <laughs> I know." So Buddy Heald is the Iron time. Man. He's not missing any time. I think one player that you could shut down, which might make some sense, is Miles Turner. Um. This would allow your young guys, Jalen and Isaiah, to get the maximum amount of playing time that you really want to give them, have them go up against starter-level talent, and that way you can keep Miles healthy going into the offseason. He's been dealing with that back injury, and from what we've been told, Foch, it didn't seem like it was something that was super serious, but it also was something that had been bothering him all year long. So we know Miles has dealt with a lot of injuries throughout his career, and you want to keep him healthy. So just kind of shutting him down for the rest of the year, maybe the last like six games of the year, makes a lot of sense to me. It does. Just, I mean, just because of the reasons I said, but also I, I don't want Miles to um, help us win any any more games either because our defense takes a, a big hit when he's not out there. No, it, it does. And for, for that purpose, yes, it makes a lot of sense to put Miles on, on the shelf for a bit. But let's talk about the last two years. Turner's gone into the offseason, banged up. He's been healthy this year, and I, I applaud him for that. It, it's It's been awesome to see him healthy, thriving, everything of the sort. But the point that you made about getting extended time to really see Isaiah and Jalen Smith, to me, that's extremely important. It mm-hmm. is. And Turner going into an offseason just after he's gotten paid, I mean, who wouldn't want him to be healthy being able to take his game to the next level compared to, you know, still having any type of lingering back issue, back issues. I mean, that's pretty rough. Like, Mm -hmm. and, and that same back has now lingered since, I don't know, it's been a couple months. And I I remember the last time I I, I saw a Pacers game, you know, Miles was getting his back treated at all different times. He was on the bike. It it was just, you know, a trainer was, was rubbing something on his back. It just felt like it was like, this has gone on for a while that it's like, Ugh, we got nine games to go. Let's please give this team some rest. We don't want anything lingering because that's unrelated. But Chris Duarte, that foot injury, that toe injury, I was stunned to hear he was still dealing with that in summer league. Yep. That lasted too long. So let's keep the boys healthy. Next year is a much bigger opportunity. 
Yeah, for sure, Fachi. And I just want to say Friday night could be a big night with how the standings are adjusted once again. The Pacers, like we said, are on the road against Boston. The Wizards host the San Antonio Spurs. So that could be impactful in multiple ways. If the Wizards win that game and the Pacers lose, they'll be tied for the same record. If the Spurs somehow beat the Wizards, that puts them a game and a half back of the Houston Rockets for the second worst record in the NBA. So that's good. The Pistons play the Raptors. So, you know, the Pistons probably aren't going to win that one. Toronto will create a little bit more space between them and the Pacers. The Rockets play the Grizzlies. So if the Rockets lose to the Grizzlies and the Spurs beat the Wizards, that's <laughs> two games between those two feels like a lot to make up. <laughs> yeah. So that's something to keep it on. And then lastly, on the West Coast, Chicago's at Portland. So it is a night full. It's jam-packed full of like stuff that could really impact where we're looking at overall standing-wise. So I think Friday, March 24th, you're probably listening to it on that day. This is a big night to keep an eye on all the games around the league. Big night in the NBA. I mean, Houston, while they came up short against Memphis last night, they did actually play them very well. Um, but could be a, a tall task to ask for the Rockets to you know pick up that win. But either way, Chicago, Portland, I definitely have my eyes on that one. And then, I mean, obviously, look, it'd be cool. And the, the Spurs could beat us. Can't beat many other teams. But uh, <laughs> if they if they can beat the Wizards, that would be interesting. Or if they, well, either way, I mean, depends. Probably better for the for. probably better for the Wizards to win that one. I, I very much think so. I because... don't really care about pick thirty two that much compared <laughs> to pick six or seven. <laughs> I, I, it's a very valid point. I don't know why I'm so fixated on that pick 31 or 32. I need it. But at the same point, <laughs> relax. I, I, I know. I really want to pick like sixth overall. I'm sorry. But when you look at a guy like Benedict Matherin that you got at pick six, it makes me feel like you could still get very good talent at six. Compared to you start to trickle down a little bit towards eight, nine, it, it's definitely a bit up in the air. I'm definitely infatuated with the top seven in this draft, Bocci, and specifically the wing position. Once you get to like 8 to 12, there is a drop-off in my personal opinion. I know that a lot of people say that drafts are 8 deep, and depending on who's drafting and what they want, one of those players that I have in my top 7 could fall. So being at 8 isn't the worst idea, but it just makes me feel better if we can get in that top 7 range. And I'll say this just lastly, nobody besides us plays on Saturday uh, that we're worried about watching. So that could also be good for us if we lose that game. And then Sunday... We'll be off, obviously, that game, but the Wizards and the Raptors play in, in Toronto. So that's another that's one, one to keep an eye on as well. So we got a lot of interesting games here down the stretch, but you were talking about that 31st pick, Fachi. Mm -hmm. Last year, Andrew Nimhard, we talked about him earlier, was 31st pick in the draft, and he has been lights out. Oh, yeah. When we drafted him and he started playing pretty decent at the beginning of the year, we kept hearing all the Jalen Brunson comparisons, right? Mm-hmm. I got to ask you this, because we saw how poorly Dallas handled that whole situation. There's been a lot of rumblings out there about, oh, should the Pacers trade for OG and Anobi? Let me ask you this. Would you trade Andrew Nimhard for OG and Anobi? Well, it's not like that's the that's the trade. How many picks are involved? I'm you You tell me, because I'm telling you right now, I think at this point, this probably is a hot take. I've been okay with that before. I'm not okay with it now. I, I think with the way OG's contract is set up, I'm not adding picks to an Andrew Nimhard 
OG and an OB trade. I don't even think I would trade Nimhard straight up for OG at this point. Ooh, now that's definitely a spicy one, but I hear you. Because, I mean, let's look at this. OG's got one year under contract that, that sounds like it's guaranteed that he'll be there. Uh, you look at Nemhard, I mean, he signed a fantastic deal with the Pacers where he's not going to be making that much money. Roughly, you know, $2 million and up from there. Um, but for OG, you're going to have to be putting a solid check. And when you're talking about, I'm in a completely different stance where I was in February. February, I was like, man, I can't do three first-round picks and Nemhard. But it was like, ah, if you're talking about two and Nemhard, maybe... Now, and, and it's easy to be riding off of, like, Nemhard having 25 and 10 and looking fantastic last night and OG being 2 of 13 and not looking good. But I'm with you right now of, like, Nemhard could be a real good piece for this Pacers and having his salary be low enough while you're, A, looking to give out a max contract to Halliburton, looking to add to this team. I don't think that we should be in a rush to include numerous First round picks for one guaranteed year of OG. Yeah, so because with you. you know, honestly, like I understand, like the Clippers traded SGA to OKC for Paul George. It also helped them solidify getting Kawhi Leonard and Paul. And George. that was big. Sign mm-hmm. that extension and a sign and trade. I get all that. I just feel like Andrew Nimhard's got the potential to burn the Pacers if they traded him after his rookie season. Similar to how SGA is burning the Clippers by what he's doing. I'm not saying they're the same player. I'm not saying they're on the same level. I'm not comparing the two. I'm just comparing the trade and the situations, and that's it. Because I was thinking about it last night. We saw Andrew Nimhart at his best last night. We've oh, yes. seen Andrew Nimhart at his best probably five to six different times this year. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's going to be hard for him to really be unleashed as that point guard that he is with Halliburton on the team. So. This is where I think you have to really be smart about it. We talked with Caitlin about this as well. She, she's been raving about Nimhard's defense, and she was tweeting about how he was guarding Siakam last night. You cannot replace what he does defensively. So personally for me, I think your backcourt moving forward should be Tyrese, Nimhard, and Benedict Mathern. That should be mm-hmm. your starting three. I think you got to find the four, and Miles is your five. And if you want to play Nimhard with your second unit, you stagger the minutes where he's playing like 25, 30 minutes a game, but playing half and half, if that makes sense. Half with a starting five, closing out games, that kind of thing. I just feel like he is too impactful, Fachi, to what this team wants to do long-term. And I believe in his potential so much because we've seen it be at its best already this year that I would not be willing to give him up for really anything. I, I think honestly, I'm not saying he's untouchable because that's yeah. a little bit dramatic, but he's near he's near close to, to untouchable to me right now. Even as bad as he was in the Charlotte game, you have to remember he's a rookie, and him doing this as a rookie to me is insane. I, I think there is so much untapped potential with what he can become, and I think this is the type of player that you have on a championship level basketball team. I completely agree. I think there's a lot of teams that would line up for Andrew Nimhart. And right now, just from a sheer number standpoint, he's playing his best basketball right now across mm-hmm. this month. He's averaging just under 14 points per game, 4.3 assists, shooting 49% from the field and 40% from three. And there's even a couple of duds in there. So, you know, like against Charlotte. So he, he's in the midst of taking his game to the next level. And for anyone who's going to say, well, yeah, but the Pacers stink right now. They're five and 
five this month. So it's not like, you know, this is meaningless basketball. So I think that where he's at defensively as a rookie is so far ahead mm-hmm. of, of so many players that, and I know the exact clip that you're talking about where it showed, you know, that Caitlin's mentioning, it shows Nemhard shifting all over the court and, and just, I mean, he's pushing up on, on Neesmith. I, I just love what we saw from that. And he's got so much more room to grow, but the confidence is there. I mean, even last night, 10 assists to two turnovers. Like, it just feels like the sky's the limit. And to your point, we've gone back and forth. Should he be coming off the bench? Should he be not? This guy might be too good to be coming off the bench. Yeah. And I, I think that's where we really got to clean up what we're doing with Buddy Heald. If Buddy wants to invest in that six-man role, everything works out perfectly. If not, then, then yeah, at some point it comes that Buddy's probably got to be moved so you can guarantee that playing time mm-hmm. for Nemhard and Matherin. Yeah, and I mean, I think McConnell is more of a question mark than Buddy Heald at this point, too, because we've seen it in the playoffs before, specifically against Miami when TJ was here uh, in the playoffs. I think it's the only time we were in the playoffs. Miami completely took him out of that series. Big time. His shot's gotten better, but he's still undersized. And I know that he does good things, and, you know, it's it's tough to say right now, like, okay, three years ago, he's improved a lot since then. But if I'm the Pacers, I'm thinking, okay, I want to have Nimhard or Tyrese out there at all times in a playoff series running my offense. And I think that Rick trusts them both. You get Benedict out there, you get Buddy out there. I think that's a great, you know, guard rotation between those four. You just figure it out and you only usually play eight to nine players in a, in a playoff rotation anyway. So I just feel like consolidating the lineup and consolidating the roster, excuse me, makes the most sense and not trying to knock TG, but I think at this point, um, if he doesn't want to be a third string point guard on this team, then maybe you try to move him. I'm not trying to bring that up every podcast we talk about it, but I just I've been blown away by the highs of of Nimhard and the highs of Nimhard. McConnell can never reach those. Yes, and I feel like this has been a very much a bounce back year for McConnell, who yep. you know was injured last year. Kind of really looked like, oh man, what do we do? Like racing to re-sign him. McConnell's been awesome this year, but I also think that he could have a lot of suitors in the offseason, more teams that are looking to contend where he doesn't need to just settle for that third string point guard role. We've seen his minutes come down. Also, he's averaging about 20 minutes per game this year. If he takes a back seat, I mean, what does that mean? Is that going to be McConnell playing about 10 minutes per game? I think that the Pacers could find an opportunity to A, send him to a place where he can get more playing time and B, who knows the value that that he brings back, you know, in a, in a trade? But I do think we're in that crossroads where there's a couple of veterans between T.J. McConnell, and Buddy Heald, that are very good players, but might not be what's best for this team moving forward. No, and I think playoff wise, you know, Buddy Heald's never really been in the playoffs. I don't think he's ever been. So he's not. He's got zero playoff experience. He's a great shooter, but other than that. <laughs> What 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 great thing does he do besides flipping people off, right? Yeah, that was <laughs> a costly I mean? one. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't really care about it. I thought it was kind of funny, but yeah, twenty five k costly for him, you know. But not we, for us. It was uh, good it's, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Screw those Charlotte cameras, right? But yep. You know, I mean, honestly, I just I'm not trying to like undervalue what they've brought to the team this year, but at the same time, there's still a reason why we're not in the playoffs at this point. And I think that while they're good pieces, and I'm not degrading what they've done, I think long-term building-wise, 
they cannot be part of the solution. I just I just don't see it. No, you, you don't want to ride it out too long. And I just feel like both players next year are pretty much going into the last real guaranteed money that they have. I know McConnell on that following year after next season, I think he has like maybe like $4 million guaranteed. But yeah. I, I think you want to get ahead of it while they're still have their values very high. And I feel like for Buddy Heald, his value is going to be high. I mean, we thought coming into the year, it looked like it was like, man, you know, Turner and Buddy Heald, I guess they could fetch us a couple first years from now. I feel like in itself, Buddy Heald should definitely be able to fetch a first round pick and be able to go to a contender where A, he can get to the playoffs, but B, we could unleash the next chapter of a Benedict Matherin, of an Andrew Nemhart, and that is what should be a top priority in the offseason, mm-hmm. uh, unless Buddy's willing to, A, you know, take a, a lesser role. But B, obviously, no, he's still going to want his money. I mean, he's, he's he's obviously played himself into a good contract. Pacers definitely priority. Number one's got to be a super max for Halliburton. And then you would like to see like a real four added to this team. Maybe that's the draft. Maybe it's trading for an established guy, but you know, hey, I, I'm I'm very appreciative of everything that McConnell and Buddy have brought to the Pacers. Mm-hmm. They've earned every dollar that that we paid them. But you know, the writing's on the wall at some point with both guys being 30 years old. Yeah, and I mean, I, I I'm I'm not trying to sound too harsh. So I feel like mm-hmm. I am sounding a little bit harsh with everything. I think they both could be role players on a playoff team. I'm not absolutely saying that they couldn't be, and that's kind of how I feel like I'm coming across. So I want to make sure I clarify that. I'm not saying. Oh, if we have Buddy Hill and McConnell with our second unit, we're not going to be good. No, I'm not trying to say that. I'm just saying, for me specifically, I just feel like there's too much talent ahead of them and our three young studs, Halliburton, Mather, and Nimhard, that one of them is going to have to find a, a different spot <laughs> to, to, to log minutes. I just don't think that you can continue to, to play Buddy 35-plus minutes a game and TJ 20-something and, and take away minutes from other guys. So it, it's worked out where Halliburton's Unfortunately, been injured, but you've been able to get more playing time for other guys. But to me, at this point, I like Buddy Hill. I think he can be a contributor for this team, but I think he needs to take it in a lesser role moving forward. So that way we can keep Nimhard in his starting position and then maximize what Ben Matherin does. Because, you know, I think Matherin's still higher higher ceiling in terms of what he can become than Nimhard. But yeah, defensively, Nimhard is just light years ahead of him. Absolutely. So, Matherin's really going to have to improve on that end. But yeah, I mean, Matherin, he's not a playmaker. He's more of a, a driver and his shooting has been spotty all year long. It's been looking better of late. So that's, that's good, but you know, he's got, he's got room to improve. I just love the tena- the tenacity that he plays with Fach. He's so tenacious and that's what you need in a, in a young stud like that is just someone that is fearless basically. And will will do anything to overcome the challenges in their way. No doubt about it. One last thing that I just saw, just got the notification. Bradley Beal is out against the Spurs, so their tank might be on. You got Wizards notifications on? No, I was going to go to the next one. And Tyrese Halliburton is officially questionable for uh, tomorrow's game against the Boston Celtics. So Pacers might be getting healthier while, you know, some of the teams that we're competing against might be saying, hey, you know what, maybe we sit this game out. So you got Pacers and Wizards notifications on. I got NBA notifications. Okay. NBA Sports Edge Basketball. They're always giving the updates on the the night. That's what I got. 
All right, Flashy. I think this is a good time to wrap it up. So let the people know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F A C C I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at setting the pace. You can find us on TikTok at setting the pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go to youtube.com slash hitting the pace of Pacers podcast and check out all of our video content there. Make sure you subscribe to the channel and let us know what you think in the comment section below. And if you haven't already, please go to substack.com and find our uh, find our substack there. It's setting the pace. You can type in setting the pace podcast.substack.com as well. I'll put a link in the description so you guys can just easily click that link instead of having to figure out what in the heck Alex just said. So uh, with, with that, we want to continue to grow on that platform as well. So please subscribe and we will put more written content out there for you. But Flachi, if you're excited that your list had four variations of chips on it for the food draft, then hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers! Going to the top, setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gon' need a